You're listening to A Prophet, a collaboration between Sakhlain and Al-Hujja Islamic Seminary. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming our patron by donating at sakhlain.org support. One of the important events that Muslim historians have examined in the history of the Prophet in Mecca was the Islam of Umar ibn al-Khattab and they've placed a great emphasis on him becoming Muslim. So this is how the narrative goes, you will find this in the books of historians from other schools of thought. Basically they state that three days after Hamza the uncle of the Prophet became Muslim in the sixth year of the Hijrah. Now, this is, uh, I'm sorry, in the sixth year of the Ba'tha. So, this is six years after the Prophet receives revelation. Umar ibn al Khattab, when he hears that Hamza has become Muslim and the Muslims are gaining power, he gets agitated, infuriated. He comes out with his sword, carrying his sword and he comes with the intention of killing the Prophet and the companions of the Prophet. Now these hadiths claim that the companions of the Prophet were 40 in number in the house of Arqam by the hill of Safa. If you remember we talked about the house of Arqam, it was the headquarters of the Muslims for some time. On his way, he meets a man by the name of Nu'aym or Na'im ibn Abdullah. Na'im ibn Abdullah. Na'im asks him, what are you up to? Because he sees him aggravated and he's got a sword in his hand. He tells him, I've come to finish this Muhammad, to kill the Prophet. He advises against that. He tells him, look, I don't recommend you do this. His family could seek revenge from you. And let me break it to you your own sister and her husband, meaning your brother-in-law, have become Muslim. Umar ibn al-Khattab had a sister by the name of Fatima bint al-Khattab. She had become Muslim and her husband had also become Muslim. Umar is now even more infuriated. My own sister has become Muslim because she used to hide that from him. So he goes to their house Khabbab ibn al-Urat, one of those great companions who was tortured, we talked about him briefly before, he was teaching Fatima, the sister of Umar, and her husband, Surah Taha. He was teaching them how to read the Quran and how to understand the Quran. When Umar breaks into the house, he goes into the house. Fatima and her husband realize Umar is coming, they get scared, they go hiding. Then Omar comes in and he realizes that they're hiding and there's a confrontation. Omar tells, ask his sister, what, 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 what is this all about? Have you really become Muslim? You're following this Muhammad? She says, look, I'll confess, I have nothing to hide anymore. Yes, I have become Muslim. I am a Muslim. He gets so angry, he takes his sword with a part of his sword he strikes her head, he wounds her head such that blood starts to flow and also he assaults his brother-in-law, meaning her husband. Then when he sees the blood flowing from her, he feels regretful. 
So he tells her, okay, what is this that you're reading? Let me look at it. Which was verses from Surah Taha. She's like, okay, here, read it. He reads those verses and he is now interested in the Holy Quran. He finds a lot of interest. He's like, you know what? Let me go meet this guy and see what's this religion about. So he goes and he meets the Prophet in a long story and he joins the religion of Islam. Now these historians claim that the Prophet becomes so happy, he does takbir, Allahu Akbar, and all the Muslims say Allahu Akbar such that the pagans hear this takbir and they realize something is going on. Then the Prophet to honor Umar, he gives him the title of what? Farooq, you are the Farooq, you decipher between right and falsehood. Ibn Umar narrates, the son of Umar, he narrates that before Umar ibn al-Khattab became a Muslim, the Prophet had made a dua. He said, oh Allah, strengthen Islam by either Umar ibn al-Khattab or Abu Jahl. Meaning the Prophet made a dua to Allah to make one of them Muslims and Ibn Umar claims that Allah answered the dua of the Prophet and Umar ibn al-Khattab was chosen by God to become Muslim. Of course not Abu Jahl but Umar ibn al-Khattab. And supposedly Islam is now strengthened. Quraysh is now freaking out that he became a Muslim and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala strengthens the religion of Islam. So this is the story that is told, commonly told by other schools of thought and historians. We have a few observations here. Our point is not to discredit anyone, but to be fair to history and to really know who strengthened Islam, how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave victory to the religion of Islam. First of all, they give you this image that when Umar came to confront the Prophet, he came so courageously and bravely carrying a sword and he just wants to go and kill. The reason why this is doubtful is if you look at the biography of Umar, especially his conduct after Islam in battles, we never see such bravery. No, I'm being honest. It's not to belittle anyone or to discredit anyone. At the battle of Uhud, at the battle of Badr, at the battle of Khaybar, in any of those battles, we don't see him carrying a sword and going out into the battlefield. Never to be seen, even in, in other schools of thought. So for him to be so courageous like that and to come and wanting to kill, that is doubtful because we don't see that. Yes, we see his courage with prisoners of war. When the, when the Muslims would gain victory in the battles and there would be prisoners of war, he would come to the Prophet, you know, wanting to strike his sword and telling the Prophet, let's kill them. That's the only bravery honestly we see from him. After the war ended, after fleeing the battles, then we, when you've got poor prisoners of war, now he wants to act brave and kill them. But in the battles itself, we don't see that bravery. So that in itself is a question mark, whether these are fictitious accounts to make him seem important or they're real accounts. In fact, you know, they narrate, you know, in these hadiths of him becoming a Muslim, that when he goes to Masjid al-Haram, and they confront him, for example, Utbah ibn Rabi'ah. Utbah ibn Rabi'ah was a warrior. Umar is so brave, he confronts him, he knocks him to the ground, 
and he inserts his two fingers into his, two, in, into his eyes. This is very doubtful. That's not conduct that we see from him. You know, uh, Utbah was killed at which battle? Badr, right? At Badr. Shayba and Utbah, and that was a big blow to the Mushrikeen. So this same guy, Utbah, is killed at the battle of Badr. Well, at the battle of Badr, do we see him killing a single person? If he was so brave that without a sword he can stick his two fingers in the eyes of Utbah, why didn't he kill him in the battle of Badr? Why was this task to Amir al-Mu'mineen Imam Ali to kill Utbah with one of the leaders of the pagans. So honestly this raises a lot of questions about the authenticity of these claims. And you know for them to claim that Allah strengthened the religion of Islam when you had Abu Talib that warrior who strengthened the religion of Islam by defending the Prophet. You had Hamza, yes Allah did strengthen Islam with Hamza. You know Umar ibn al-Khattab, he comes from the tribe of Adi. They were not known to be very high ranking in Mecca such that Quraysh would actually fear them. There were some tribes Quraysh would fear, yes don't mess with that tribe. But this tribe honestly was not one of those tribes. It was just an average, in fact it was a low ranking tribe in Mecca. So for them to give you this you know picture that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave a huge victory to Islam and He strengthened and solidified Islam, that is all very doubtful. Another observation is how did Allah strengthen Islam? Through Him. Do you know what happened after Umar became Muslim? What were the sequence of events? We'll examine that in the near future. In fact, things got worse for Muslims. You had the boycott of the Sha'ib of Abi Talib. Up until the sixth year of the Ba'tha, it was kind of bearable for the Muslims. After the year six, it became unbearable, a complete blockade on them. So when they say Allah strengthened Islam, what do they mean? If it means that Quraysh now started to become nicer to the Muslims, in fact they didn't become nicer to the Muslims. Muslims had more freedom to practice and worship, it was the exact opposite. So it's not clear what they mean that God strengthened Islam with him. Nothing significant happened. In fact, if anything happened, it was the exact opposite. Things became tougher on Muslims. So I don't see how Islam somehow became stronger. In fact, we even have hadiths in Bukhari and others that tell us about the personality of Umar. You know, whether he was that brave or not. For example, No, remember we examined before that the first three years were private. At the end of the three years, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands the Prophet in a verse in the Holy Quran, go public. So this was years before it. And that's why you had the hijrah to the Habasha because uh, remember the fifth year we had the hijrah to the Habasha. The reason why we had the migration to Abyssinia is because they had already gone public. So no, it wasn't after him that you know, Islam went public. It was before that, yes. I was reading something about Omar and he was targeting incest. And he was so ugly. A woman That's a different discussion. We're talking about, you know, basically his conduct. So in Sahih al-Bukhari, we see there's a hadith about the Islam of Omar. And Abdullah ibn Omar, he narrates this hadith. He says, Omar was in his house scared. That's the exact translation. 
بَيْنَمَا عُمَرْ فِدَّارِ خَائِفًا He was scared in his house. When Al-As ibn Wa'il comes to him and he tells him, what's the matter with you? He tells him that I'm afraid because I became Muslim, but people will kill me. Al-As ibn Wa'il tells him, no, don't worry. I will give you refuge, I'll give you protection, and no one can hurt you. Then it is after that, that Umar feels safe and you know, Al-As ibn Wa'il protects him from people who wanted to harm him. So when you have a hadith like that in Bukhari, is this compatible with him being so you know, courageous, going out there by himself, wanting to kill and whatever they've attributed to him? Or it kind of cast out where he was actually hiding in his house and Al-As ibn Wa'il had to guarantee him protection for him to feel safe and come out. This isn't Sahih al-Bukhari, not in Kafi or Bihar al-Anwar. This isn't Sahih al-Bukhari. So we see contradictions over here. We see contradictions in these claims. Another observation over here about his conduct is that in the event of Hudaybiyah, it was a peace treaty that the Prophet made with the pagans in the sixth year of Hijrah in Medina. When the Prophet was in Medina in a place called Hudaybiyah, he made that peace treaty. Initially, the Prophet told Umar, you go to the Meccans of Quraysh and tell them, let's negotiate. Umar refuses. He says, oh messenger of God, I'm scared they'll kill me. Send someone else. So where's that bravery? The Prophet is sending you. It's by the order of God, even if you get killed on the way, you die as a shaheed because you're, you're implementing the command of the Prophet. But we see that he backs out over there. The Prophet commands him to go to Mecca and to negotiate. He was scared to enter Mecca. So that is also another clue about how his conduct and personality was. Yes. No, no, this was at Sulh al-Hudaybiyah, the peace treaty of Hudaybiyah, sixth year of Hijrah. When the Prophet wanted to do Hajj, the Meccans blocked him from doing the Hajj, so they made a peace treaty. So the Prophet initially wanted to send him, but no. Another claim they've made is that when Umar ibn al-Khattab became Muslim, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reveals a verse in the Holy Quran in, in his honor, stating, Ya ayyuhan nabiyyu hasbukallah wa man ittaba'aka min al-mu'mineen. O Prophet, it is enough that you have Allah and whoever is following you now. Now you've been strengthened, that's enough for you. When was this verse revealed supposedly? When he became Muslim. So Allah is saying, that's it. You're good, you're good to go, you've got enough companions and you're strong right now. You have Allah and your companions. So why this is doubtful is because this verse was actually revealed not in Mecca was revealed in Medina after the battle of Badr. Whereas Umar became Muslim in Mecca, so this first of all does not match. And Surah Al-Anfal, because this is surat in Surah Al-Anfal, Surah Al-Anfal basically is a Madani Surah, not a Mecca Surah. So for them to use this verse stating that it was revealed for his Islam, that in itself is doubtful because this verse was revealed in Medina, not in Mecca. 
And in addition to that, the previous verses talk about war and, and you know, battles. And in Mecca, there were no wars and battles. This was in Medina, another indication that this has nothing to do with his Islam. Yes. It's possible for them that to say that this surah generally is a Madani surah, but there are some Mecca verses. But we specifically cite hadiths that state this verse in question came after the battle of Badr. So we have two arguments here. One, the surah itself is Madani, that's one clue. And also specifically this, the verse was Madani. So with that, it's, there's no, no room for them to claim that this was revealed in honor of him. As for the title Farooq, have you heard the title Farooq? Yeah. Are you familiar with it? Yeah. Farooq. They call him the Farooq. Supposedly the Prophet after he became Muslim, he told him you're the Farooq, the one who deciphers between good and bad. Like you're that line that separates good and evil. From Farq, which means uh, the divide, a line. It's so sad brothers and sisters when you look at history, every title, the Prophet gave to Imam Ali was appropriated to someone else. This is actually one of the titles of Amir al-Mu'mineen The Prophet in authentic hadiths, he calls Ali ibn Abi Talib as-siddiq al-akbar wal-faruq al-a'zam or al-akbar. He is the great siddiq, the one who excessively believes in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. While we know to whom they gave the title siddiq, and also the title Farooq is a title of Amir al-Mu'mineen which they gave to others. And that's really tragic how they take the virtues of Ahlul Bayt, peace be upon them. You know Tabari in the Kha'ir al-Uqba by the way, he mentions a hadith from Abu Dhar. This is a Sunni scholar, Tabari is a Sunni scholar. He is narrating a hadith from Abi Dhar. He says, I heard the messenger of God say to Ali ibn Abi Talib alayhi salam, Anta al-Siddiq al-Akbar, wa anta al-Faruq al-Ladhi yafruqu bayna al-Haqqi wal-Batil, aw yufarruqu bayna al-Haqqi wal-Batil. Abu Dhar says, I heard the Messenger of God, look at Amir al-Mu'mineen, he told him, you are the great Siddiq, and the divide between Haqq and Batil. So this is a title uh, from uh, that was given to Imam Ali they gave it to other companions, yes. And by the way, the first to call Umar Farooq were the people of the book, in his Khilafah. So at the time of the Prophet, we see no reference to him being called the Farooq. This was by the people of the book, they called him the Farooq. So this was not a title given to him, um, you know, by the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam.